So Shivabindu is called Savitri, a legend and a symbol. And as Aradha has said, it's a, it's a magnum opus. It's, it's the most important work of Shivabindu. Shivabindu's works, uh, as of now, span into almost 35 volumes. Each volume about 500 pages, approximately. So it's very hard for uh, maybe after a few centuries, people may wonder whether it's one person who wrote all this or there were many who wrote under the name of Sherbindo. Much like we credit Vyas with all kinds of uh, literature. So with Sherbindo, he wrote many, many uh, works with very diverse subjects, on many diverse subjects. But everything that he wrote, he saw from a highest possible light. And in that light, he revealed the truths uh, for us, for all of us. And uh, in that line of revelatory writings, the highest, the deepest, the most profound of these is Savitri. So the question was, why Savitri? And he has used the word legend and a symbol. So as a legend, we know the story. And if we just see the story, you know, it's, we may well say that uh, how can it be possible that uh, somebody has brought back her husband to life simply by the power of love and has persuaded Yama to heal the husband. It may be a very nice, beautiful story, but to many of us it may pass off as um, a very beautiful imagination, a wishful thinking. But that is if we just see the legend on the superficial aspects. But Shurabindu speaks of Savitri as a symbol. As a symbol, it becomes relevant and contemporary always. That's the beauty of a symbol. That a symbol clothes itself in new forms. It, it's the same aspiration which takes new forms and comes back and returns to human beings again and again. So that's the relevance of Savitri in our times. That as a symbol of love, conquering death, it becomes contemporary. Because all of us of the many aspirations we have. One of the aspirations is for permanence. One of the aspirations that we all have is for conquest of death, for immortality. Of course, uh, many of us say that, well, it's okay to die. That's because old age comes, unhappiness comes, illness comes. But imagine a situation where there was none of these things. We would eventually seek for some kind of a permanence to our life. And um, even for progress, if you want to really progress, we need to have at least a long lifespan because otherwise after a point everything begins to decline. So this seeking for immortality is something ingrained in human beings even as death is in, inbuilt and programmed within us. So it's a paradox of human life that on one side we are programmed like any other biological creature for death. Right from the moment of birth, we are programmed over a period of time. Uh, life races with death and death uh, eventually seems to have the last word. But it is also true that we are programmed as if to strive for the very opposite of whatever seems to us every day as a reality that hits us in the face. So in spite of death, we seek immortality. 
and we seek immortality in various ways it's not just in the form of physical death or physical immortality we seek to immortalize our works we seek to immortalize whatever we have acquired so this seeking for immortality takes many forms in human beings as if we are constantly in a fight and struggle with death but at the same time death tries to bring back everything into a state of chaos and disintegration so what shirobindo um, speaks of when he you know talks of death death is not just the physical death of the body death is all that disintegrates anything which is high and sublime it disintegrates any human effort it disintegrates any idea or ideal it disintegrates so there is a constant tussle of death within us uh, vis-a-vis love love is the power that creates which unites it's the power if we go to its roots of course we know love only as a love which is um, love between human beings or at the most love between human beings and animals but love is a force in creation just as death as a force in creation is something which disintegrates everything it's the power of disintegration so love as a force in human be in creation is a power of union and integration that's why it is love versus death really speaking love is that which binds so at the most elementary level it's the power that binds atoms and forms molecules so there is love in stones at another level it's a power that binds each separate aspect of creation with everything else so there is an interconnectedness inbuilt in life we are interdependent on everyone else because we cannot uh, we cannot say that i am an island so love is a power that binds this whole creation together at another level love is a power that lifts creation constantly towards the divine towards its own perfect state so in human beings love takes uh, many forms but the highest form is an aspiration for perfection for beauty for light for bliss all that we do not have but all that we seek so love is the power which is constantly working in our hearts to lift us out of our limited ignorant mortal state towards a state of limitlessness vastness light peace harmony bliss we can take a small little you know example supposing we were to take a survey all over the world and uh, we asked few simple questions to everyone do you want harmony or disharmony what will be the answer harmony peace or agitation peace love or hatred love. joy or sorrow joy isn't it a paradox that all of us will want this regardless of our education background gender everything else and yet our life is full of the opposites it's a paradox of human life that we all want peace but we all end up becoming agitated we all want harmony but you know it takes just a small little word to strike a discordant note and there is disharmony we all want happiness but we do many things willingly which would lead to sorrow and unhappiness we all want love but it is so easy to hate so there is in the human heart constantly a tussle between these two forces forces that are constantly working to create disintegration and chaos in our life 
and forces that are constantly working to uplift us towards a state of unity, harmony, love, peace, light, bliss. So Savitri is a story of that struggle in all of us. Actually in human beings this struggle takes a very acute form because we consciously aspire these things. But this struggle is there in the plant, in the mineral life, everywhere. If you, you know, if we talk about physics, there is a constant action of two kinds of forces. Forces that are constantly acting to disintegrate compounds and forces that are constantly acting to hold the compounds together. Same with the plant life. Forces that are constantly acting to pull back the form that has evolved back into dust and forces that are rejuvenating, giving it life, uh, etc., etc. So in human beings, this takes a very, very, this struggle becomes very acute. And behind this struggle, normally we just see this struggle as a play of uh, certain material forces. But the Indian seers saw behind this struggle the play of much deeper forces. Forces of light, harmony, and forces of disorder, darkness. And Savitri is a story of this struggle which takes place behind the scene and the result of that struggle and what goes on, how in human beings this struggle reflects itself. That is the story of Savitri. So it's a very vast cosmic poem. Uh, it's also called as a cosmic poem and it's cosmic poem because it raises a cosmic issue. How often when we have a personal sorrow, we raise a question, why me, isn't it? But is this problem only personal or is it a cosmic problem? Do we ever raise a question that why there is pain in creation at all. Even if everything is happy in our personal life, still the question is relevant and valid. That why in a creation which is a divine creation apparently, there is the very opposite of what we all expect, want as to be the natural state. So Savitri takes up this question of pain and resolves it in the you know, most, uh, most beautiful way. Then third issue is something which makes it again a contemporary poem is that all of us um, want to master fate. Is there anyone who says, no, I want to remain subject to fate? All of us want, no, if we can somehow change destiny. And we have so many explanations uh, which make us feel that we are bound to destiny forever. Jo bhi hua hai, hona tha. And you know, we are helpless before destiny. But Savitri takes up this issue of fate in grim earnest. And it comes up with a very interesting conclusion that man can change his destiny. But only we must know the thread and the technology with which destiny is woven. So if we understand all the threads that have gone into the making of destiny and fate, man can change this. Of course, it's not easy. But it is possible. That's why Savitri legend is very, very unique. Because Satyavan is fated to die. What more grim destiny can there be than death? And it's supposed to be an unalterable destiny. We, uh, we have uh, unfortunately let this uh, word go around that Indians are fatalistic in their approach. That Indians believe ki jo hona hai, ho hoga. But it's not true. Indian thought is not about that at all. Indian thought is that you can change destiny. Many Indian stories, stories of Markande, stories of Mandavirishi, plenty of stories which talk about how destiny can be changed. 
and Savitri is a legion where not only destiny is changed, but there is a complete conquest over fate. It is fated that Satyavan must die and Savitri, instead of succumbing to destiny, instead of saying it's my karma, instead of saying let me marry someone else, she takes it as a challenge that I'm going to change my destiny. And that makes the story of Savitri very, very beautiful, exceedingly powerful in its, uh, you know, import on our everyday life. Because if we have the secret, then we not only can change the destiny of death, but many other things which are destined. So these are the three issues. Uh, there are many, many other issues in Savitri, but um, I would uh, restrict to these two main issues, the issue of fate and the issue of uh, debate of love and death. What happens inside us? Um, there are there is this power of love, how it speaks to us, and there is the power of death, how it speaks within us, and which one we have to listen, and which one we have to reject, so that we too can collaborate with the action of the forces of integration and harmony in our life. That's what Savitri is about. So. Um, the issue of fate. Just to orient ourselves, Savitri is contains you know twelve books. There are twelve books within Savitri, and each book is has a theme. So this is the book of fate, book six, and it is just in the middle of Savitri. So book of fate which takes up the theme of fate. What is fate? Now, taking Satyavan and Savitri's uh, story as a, uh, as a symbol, it takes up the issue of why there is death, why good people have to suffer. Is that a question we all have raised sometime or not? You know, this was the question we were talking about in the morning. What is pain? Why there is pain in God's world? Is it because of uh, some karma? Or is it, how many believe that it is because of some karma among the youngsters? Okay. So, karma means what? Reward and punishment? That's not really, but you face all that you do in some way or other. Yeah. What goes How nice it would be if it was instantaneous rather than after five births, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't go with our sense of the divine as being truly compassionate uh, and wise to create a system of reward and punishment over few lives does it not strike also as an anomaly so is karma about reward and punishment or is karma something else so these are the issue which Savitri raises and tries to answer so we will just read from Savitri some passages This is book 6, Canto 2, The Way of Fate and the Problem of Pain. So Savitri's mother, when she comes to know that Savitri's choice is a very nice choice, except for one small problem that after one year Satyavan is going to die. So she sends back Savitri that you go back, choose someone else. You know, very practical thinking. So she says that uh, you have made a good choice, maybe, but you know this choice has been annulled by the fact that he is going to die after one year. Go back and change. Now you see, 
what is the stuff of which greatness is made up of so any other normal person would say all right i'll go and change because i want to uh, be happy and uh, naturally this man will give me happiness only for one year and then he is going to die away but savitri she is carries in her an inborn greatness so savitri chooses the other course and the course is that if it is fated that satyavan must die i would want to change fate you know this is the stuff of which greatness is made up of very often we have before us two choices and one choice is a easy choice and the other is a difficult road and most of us choose the easy road and when we choose the easy road maybe we externally stand to benefit but inwardly sometimes we tend to become impoverished so savitri chooses the difficult road and she says if sat it is fated that satyavan must die i am going to still take the call i will go and you know i'll still be with satyavan and either i part with him or i will struggle to change destiny so when savitri says this the queen is very unhappy because she says my daughter is making wrong choices see how liberal indians were people who believe that in india you know parents make choices in ancient times who used to make choices children used to make choices and it was called swamvar so savitri chooses and the queen is helpless before that choice she cannot overrule as per the indian tradition she could not overrule the choice once she insists that no she can suggest but she cannot overrule so the queen raises this question to nara narada is there and narada has prophesied that satyavan will die so she raises this question o seer in the earth's strange twinitured life twinitured life always we are pursued by dualities good and bad pleasant and unpleasant joy and sorrow they are intertwined with each other you cannot you know day and night you ask for one the other will come you know it's like buy one joy and get one sorrow free it's there it's there in the footnote so this twinitured life by what pitiless adverse necessity or what cold freak of a creator's will by what random accident or governed chance that shaped a rule out of fortuitous steps made destiny from an hour's emotion came into the unreadable mystery of time the dire mystery of grief and pain that what kind of chance governs this earth what kind of destiny is this that because in one moment you did something passingly maybe accidentally and you have to suffer for it sometimes for who knows beyond one life is it thy god who made this cruel law so she is asking narad that you keep singing about god about uh, lord vishnu sitting in heaven he made this law he is comfortable in his vaikuntha while human being suffer or some disastrous power has marred his work and he stands helpless to defend or save 
or is it that God wanted this world to be wonderful, good, happy? But someone has come and not only that someone has marred his work, he is helpless. He knows it shouldn't be. It's like someone who has bequeathed his kingdom to a trustee and that trustee spoils the work. And now he can't do anything because he can't take it back. He can't, he's, you know, he has to say that, well, I have signed off my will. So she raises this question. <coughs> Further, our, see, how Shurabindu states the problem so beautifully. Our bodies are an engine cunningly made, but for all its parts as cunningly are planned, contrived ingeniously with demon skill. Its apt inevitable heritage of mortal danger and peculiar pain. We inherit this. Our bodies are made very nicely. You know, they serve us very well. But they are prone to disease. They are prone to pain. They are prone to disintegration. Its payment of the tax of time and fate. Its way to suffer and its way to die. A grisly company of maladies come licensed lodgers into man's bodily house. So it is made in such a way, our bodies, that whether we like it or not, as we grow older and older, one after another, one itis, another ulcer, another blockage here and there, that begins to come up. So what is this? Why this kind of a body? Why this kind of a house has been built for us? On nature's gifts to man a curse was laid. All walks enarmed by its own opposites. Error is the comrade of a mortal thought and falsehood lurks in the deep bosom of truth. Virtue is a grey bondage and a jail. At every step is held for us a snare. Our fount of action from a darkness wells. The centuries spile man's follies and man's crimes upon the countless crowd of nature's ills. As if the world's stone load was not enough, a crop of miseries obstinately sown by his own hand in the furrows of the gods. So, everything in life conspires as if only to make matters worse and worse for us as we go through life. So then she asks that why is it all? Is there really a God at all? Or God is simply a hallucination and a fiction of the human mind? Savitri's mother is asking this to Narada. That if there is God, why should there be pain and suffering? Is it not a valid question? It's a very valid question. That if there is God, if there is something called as divine, why there should be pain and suffering upon earth? So this is the question that Savitri's mother asks. Or if no being watches the works of time, what hard impersonal necessity compels the vain toil of brief living things? And then she declares that Perhaps the soul we feel is only a dream, eternal self, a fiction, sensed in trance. 
Uh, you see, the problem is this: we ask this question only when we are confronted personally with the issue of pain. But pain is not the only reality. There are beautiful moments. There are uplifting things in life, which we also experience. So, at first, Narad sets the account right because we keep saying that life is full of pain, but life is not always full of pain. Bulk of life is joyous. but pain strikes as an anomaly precisely because not only we feel that life should be joyous a lot of things in life right from childhood as we grow are happy things but pain is something which strikes us as a sharp contrast so first narada reveals and in fact in this little bit he gives away the whole secret this is narada's reply was then the sun a dream because there is night both things are there in life it's there is not only evil there is also goodness but there is emphasis on evil see in india nowadays people talk about corruption <coughs> and newspaper and television channel when you see you will see only the bad things evil things but then is this the only fact there are beautiful things happening for instance you know the moment there is a plane plane crash so many people die but so many planes fly every day and there is nothing which happens that's an amazing thing if there is one big robbery or one murder it makes you know it immediately makes headlines but every day so many people live by trust and their trust is justified so life is not only about evil because we often make especially you know too much uh, philosophy out of the evil of life that look life is bad life is evil there is evil everywhere there is suffering everywhere but it's not true if we take the correct account goodness is even today much more than evil but evil strikes that's why it becomes so prominent hidden in the mortal's heart the eternal lives He lives secret in the chamber of thy soul. A light shines there. Nor pain nor grief can cross. This is a very big sutra. Actually, it's a whole practical guidance. When mother was asked, "What should we do when we face suffering?" So the mother gave a very interesting. of course this is an answer which is known to mystics she says instead of projecting out we do that you no know, when there is pain and suffering we start rushing outward and we focus so much on the pain so much on the suffering our thoughts are full of anxiety full of fear we are constantly looking for somebody outside to come and help us she says my child inside us within us there is a light and that light if you touch pain and suffering vanish they melt before it and she says you must practice going inside and contacting that light then she gives a very nice little example she says supposing you are going out and there is a storm now if suddenly there is a storm you are enjoying the scenery what would you do logically you should rush back inside the house she says but if you don't have the key if you have forgotten the key then you want to rush back then you are trying to get inside but you just can't get inside 
you are helplessly at the mercy of the storm. So she says we are all given a key to go within and if we practice every day this going inside then after a while we are always carrying the key and we know how to apply it. So every time there is a difficulty, every time there is pain, all that we have to do is to come inside, open that little door, be there for a while, wait till the storm has passed. While you are there, you will see the storm. Like from inside we see that there is storm going on out there. So you will see the storm, but it will not affect you. It will come and pass. After a while you will see that there is clear sky, beautiful sky. So then you step out, clean the outside a little bit and once again enjoy the rain and the sunshine. So Narada is giving this key to the queen that you are raising all these questions. First of all, you are exaggerating that life is only about pain and sorrow. You have never raised this issue when everything was wonderful in your life. So she says, life also has beautiful side, queen, and don't forget that. And next he says that there is within us a light that no pain and no grief can cross. But why don't we access it? A darkness stands between thyself and him. Because we have allowed our mind and hearts to always be in a state of confusion and darkness. So we are not able to touch this core. Instead of clearing that darkness, we have allowed more and more darkness to come and settle down and separate us from this source. Thou canst not hear or feel the marvelous guest. Thou canst not see the beatific sun. O Queen, thy thought is a light of the ignorance. Its brilliant curtain hides from thee God's face. It illumes a world born from the inconscience, but hides the immortal's meaning in the world. Our thoughts are so much governed by simply sense appearances. As Narad Bhai was saying sometime back, stillness, peace, calm. This is so much necessary for wisdom to come out because that light as it comes to the surface because of the agitation it breaks into many parts fragmented whereas this wisdom is a whole we are constantly letting our mind being filled with all kinds of thoughts and therefore we are not able to connect with this light thy mind's light hides from thee the eternal's thought if our minds are full of agitation we cannot see this light, we cannot understand God's purpose in creation which he fulfills through all the paradoxes. How evil leads towards a secret good and how out of what we think good evil is waiting to be born. So God's ways baffle us because our minds are full of ignorant thoughts. Thy heart's hopes hide from thee the eternal's will. We are constantly carrying in our hearts a wish list. Oh, I wish, I wish, I wish. So, and we are imposing this wish list on God. God should do this, God should do that, He should give us this, He should give us that. But 
God's plans are very different and he is not here only to fulfill and satisfy our desires but to help us grow towards the state of immortality and that is why we are not able to perceive the true course that our life should take because we are constantly choosing the easy path the easy road earth's joys shut from thee the immortal's bliss so we want instant happiness and all instant food products come with a catch so you know they should actually provide with all these instant products one medicine also for digestion something for clearing the heart so something like that instant joys you know it's because they stimulate us excite us the deeper joys get shut off by them the crude if we choose crude joys of life then slowly we become incapable to respond to the subtler joys it's like if we are all the time hearing noise we get so used to that noise that we are not, our ears are no more attuned to the voices of the silence i don't know whether you have seen this uh, film called pushpak there was a movie called pushpak you seen it yeah so this movie is about a man it's a silent movie actually but silent movie in our our times and uh, in this movie kamal hasan uh, has grown up in a slum area with all the shouts quarrels everything going around and one day he comes across a man who was living in a five star room but uh, he is totally drunk and kamal hasan comes across him so he in his mind he makes a plan uh, he knows that this fellow basically wants alcohol so he takes his key and gives this man lot of drinks so that he remains drunk all the time and he ties him up in his own room and taking his key he wants to live for a few days in five star life because he knows that this is his chance of lifetime but this man wants drink and he is staying in a very big hotel checked into that so kamal hasan ties him keeps giving him alcohol whenever he sees him and he takes the key and goes into the five star hotel but now the first night he cannot sleep so why he cannot sleep it's very peaceful it's very quiet <laughs> so he is tossing and turning but he can't sleep so the movie there is a very nice interesting scene that he goes all the way to his slum he records all the quarrel is going on and he records that quarrel brings that little tape recorder puts it inside his five star room and then starts playing it so all the quarrels that he is used to hearing in that slum he must hear it then only he goes to sleep peacefully so you know our ears get so attuned to the crude that we are not able to hear that which is subtle so very often people say that Uh, how to hear the voice of the soul well for that we have to learn to listen to the silence we have to attune ourselves so since we our stuff is still very crude therefore thence rose the need of a dark intruding god the world's dread teacher the creator pain So now Shirobindo completely changes this view that pain is a result of bad karmas. Pain is actually a teacher, and perhaps if somebody has done some good karma, 
is likely to be shaken off from his ignorance by the coming of pain. There is a very nice little story in the ashram context that there was a person called Prapati and you know he used to do a lot of work of the mother and someone once told him that you know in my life everything is very good everything is very fine my children no problem no issue and when he kept saying then after a while Prapati told him that maybe God has forgotten you you know it was a shocking statement that maybe God has forgotten you if in life there is no pain which has come to wake you or shake you otherwise life keeps moving at a very very small pace and we don't realize its pace is so small but when suddenly there is a crisis then we question then we begin to turn then we begin to seek and that's why Narada says that when we are completely stuck in the mud pain comes to dislodge us at one place mother says pleasure is very deceptive very often it is not a reward but a punishment God's way of punishment is very different <laughs> I am just playing with the whole thing that uh, you know when God decides that this man needs to be punished he is not likely to give us pain he is likely to give us pleasure why what happens with pleasure we get sunk more and more into a very narrow zone of happiness and the deeper happiness and the higher happiness we are unable to feel Whereas when pain comes, it actually comes to liberate us from that comfort zone. And when it shakes us out of our comfort zone, we may probably seek something much higher, something much vaster. So here to start with, he says, where ignorance is, their suffering too must come. So suffering is God's corrective to man's inertia. So it's God's gift that, you know, wake up. It's like when children sleep and they oversleep and in the morning when their parents wake them up they say some more time, some more time. Nowadays of course parents say soja jitna sona because they don't want the child to get angry. But uh, earlier they would initially wake up nay 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 thoda or thoda or then eventually the same mother you know she gets angry and says are you getting up now or not? Now this is the, uh, that's why there is a need of pain the same power that governs this world with love assumes a terrible mask so in our Indian mythologies we have Kali who is Kali? Gauri becomes Kali the same mother who is benevolent beneficent who gives easily and is easy to please the same Shiva who is Asutosh becomes Rudra when we take a different route Thy grief is a cry of darkness to the light. So when pain comes, we question and we seek. So that's why pain is a teacher. And then further down, again Narada reveals another great secret that what else is pain? It's a teacher. And then pain is the hammer of the gods to break. A dead resistance in the mortal's heart. His slow inertia is of living stone. Without pain we refuse to progress. We are very happy in our comfort zone. And you see what uh, cats do to teach their kitten. You know they, they first uh, take a kitten to the edge and coax it to jump. 
because it has to teach the kitten. They say that cats have nine lives. You must have seen they fall, they go. They just don't die. You know, it's very difficult for a cat to die accidentally. That's why they say that if you kill a cat accidentally, then it's a big, big sin. Probably because it's really very difficult to for a cat to die in this way. Because their body is like that. Physiologically, it is explained in various ways. But mother cat trains the baby cat in very interesting ways. First, it will bring and then it'll try to push the little cat. So the kitten will not because it's scared. Then after a while, the mother will jump and come back to show that, look, you can do it. She still doesn't want to go. And what does the mother cat do? It pushes the kitten out. And then perforce, it has no choice but to instinctively assume the right posture. And after a while, if a cat could really think, it would surely be thanking its mother that you pushed me out. Same way birds also teach their little ones to fly. So pain is the hammer of the gods to break. If the heart were not forced to want and weep, his soul would have lain down content, at ease, and never thought to exceed the human start, and never learned to climb towards the sun. So whenever we have, we are, there is a call for evolution, we face a crisis and a struggle. And that crisis and struggle comes precisely to help us evolve to the next level. Otherwise, we would remain stuck where we are. For with pain and labor, all creation comes. Even if you see the childbirth, it is with pain. You know, when a new baby has to be delivered. Then the next truth about pain that Shurabindh reveals to us that pain is like a sculpture. So first he says pain is a teacher. Then he says pain is the hammer of the gods. And then he says pain is, is like a sculpture. Pain is the hand of nature sculpturing men to greatness. An inspired labor chisels with heavenly cruelty and unwilling mold. There is the story of Michelangelo that he would, uh, you know, every night be doing something with a stone. And uh, those in the neighborhood, they used to wonder, this man has got crazy that, you know, all night he's awake doing something with the rocks. And uh, they thought that he is probably a madman. One day, whole night, no further tuk-tuk. So they wondered, is he dead? Is he alive? Something has gone wrong? They are all eager in the morning to know what has happened with this man. When they come out, they see a beautiful idol, beautiful figure carved out of that stone. Every night he was carving. Then they asked him that, how did you know that such a beautiful image could be made out of stone? Michelangelo said, well, I saw her, therefore I knew. So out of that stone, there was a beautiful image inside it. 
and to bring that image out he had to use means of chisel and hammer and slowly sculpture an image out of that so all those who are born for greatness you know morning we were talking about the story of pandavas story of sita and rama nature chisels them otherwise they cannot rise to that greatness so pain is the hand of nature sculpturing men to greatness an inspired labor chisels with heavenly cruelty and unwilling mold so if you have to turn iron into steel you have to throw it into fire this is a very nice couplet of kabir i don't know whether um, maybe in hindi i'll say and then in english he says how the guru works with his disciple you know we all now it's fashionable to have a guru and we want a guru only to do good things to us to give us all the things we want but what is a true guru how does he work so kabir is a real master you know so he says guru kumhar shishya kumbh hai phir phir mare chot antar hath sahar de bahar mare chot guru is what he is like a potter and shishya is like clay so what the guru does inside he holds the clay supports but from outside he gives nice blows so with the blows outside and the support inside he shapes a beautiful pot out of clay so guru is not just somebody who is going to give us nice good things he will support us in our struggles but from outside he will not uh, you know he will also give nice little blows so that we can be shaped into a beautiful image it's like diamond you know the the price of diamond changes with two things one is purity and the second is with its shape now you know um, one is the purity and that also is a big process and then the shape now if you chisel a diamond into a most beautiful shape the same diamond will be far more expensive so same thing applies to human nature so pain is the hand of nature sculpturing men and heavens don't sometimes very often when human beings are suffering from some calamity some problem they cry they go to mandir they go to you know church they go to mosque and very often they come back and say who knows there is god or not he is not listening to us so shivinder is saying with heavenly cruelty much later we understand that as savitri says heavens wiser love rejects the mortal's prayer so there is a love which grants us and there is a love which rejects our prayers and often the rejection of prayers is even a wiser love <clears throat> although the shaping god's tremendous touch this god is pain although the shaping god's tremendous touch is torture unbearable to mortal nerves the fiery spirit grows in strength within and feels a joy in every titan pang so we experience life at two levels at the surface level we feel pain but if we could go deep inside we will notice that there is in us a secret soul 
that grows with this and even kind of is happy that the divine is giving me that shaping touch which my outer being feels like pain and misery but the inner being rejoices so shubindu says that if you live within you will begin to understand and will be grateful for even the struggles and suffering at one place mother says he should be grateful for all the ordeals because they are a shortcut towards the divine so when the divine gives us ordeals we will begin to feel grateful so he says that well if we want to be free from the pain there are long passages which i am skipping about how even divine when he comes on earth he has to go through this same law why he takes upon himself the pain because very often people say if god comes how is he god if you know he also could not conquer his own suffering so shubindu says that no it's not like that he takes upon himself the burden of the cosmos and inwardly he is free but outwardly he has to go through the suffering because he suffers on our behalf so there are long passages which relate to that so as long as there is inertia as long as there is ignorance as long as there is falsehood pain will be there because that is the only way that human beings advance so if you really want this earth to be free of pain and suffering whether individually or collectively we have to attack the root cause and the root cause is ignorance falsehood unconsciousness is the same thing like if you want diseases to be uh, you know people to be free from diseases then it is not enough to give remedies it's not enough to multiply doctors and hospitals but to touch the root cause the root cause of diseases is desire out of desire there is greed out of greed there are unhealthy attitudes unhealthy lifestyles and disease is the final outcome so when a doctor only gives medicine he is not tackling the root cause if a doctor only teaches healthy lifestyle he is still not tackling the root cause if a doctor to the healthy lifestyle also uh, advises us certain attitudes advises us moderation of desire then he is really being a holistic healer otherwise he is only a you know a person who is doing patchwork so till then till you know things uh, falsehood is conquered till then must life carry its seed of death and sorrows plaint be heard in the slow night so what are we to do to face this oh mortal bear this great world's law of pain it will come it comes to everyone nobody is uniquely targeted for pain you know we often feel that Uh, you know this is another way of giving self importance that why is god so much unfair to me you know everybody believes that he is targeted for being unfair well everybody has their own share of difficulty so he says that bear don't make too much halabalu out of it bear it will come it comes to everybody so bear 
this great world's law of pain. In thy hard passage through a suffering world, lean for thy soul's support on heaven's strength. So even while pain comes outside, there is a hand of heaven that supports us within. Lean upon it. It does not mean that God will immediately remove all our external difficulties. No, He may not because it's needed for our evolution. But He will give us the strength to go through them. He will help us evolve through it. And that's again the Gita. That Gita is the uh, bar is necessary. And uh, there is a possibility Arjuna wants to avoid the war. So it would have been very nice. Krishna like a real friend should have said, Oh, wonderful. You don't want to fight? Very good. You join the nearest monastery, I'll give you a recommendation letter. But no. He has to go through this evolutionary passage. But only thing is, Arjuna is with Krishna and Krishna is carrying him through that. So in this life, pain will come, difficulties will come. And if we only try to keep avoiding them, we fail to grow and evolve. I use a term for this called zero error syndrome. You know, like little children, we all want our children never to commit any mistakes. But you know, it is a, it's a foolish <laughs> thought to say the least. Now imagine a scenario where a child, we want a baby who is born, he should never fall. So who is the child who never falls, who has never learned to walk? He is a paralyzed child. But when a child learns to walk, he falls, he fumbles. So what we should do? Not that he should never fall, we should be near the child. See that the fall is not too much, just a little supporting hand and slowly through that process the child will learn to walk. So same is the way that God works in upon us. Sometimes difficulties will come, they come to all of us and they are for our evolution, for our good. So instead of cursing God, instead of complaining, instead of thinking what is it, it's no point believing in God, we should rather turn towards Him with a greater faith that I know that this crisis has come into my life. Surely you know better. But help me go through it so that I may get the right lesson and I may evolve. We can also add an aspiration that may this darkness which is confronting me right now become a passage towards a greater light. Then we will experience that through this journey a heaven's hand supports us and makes the passage shorter. And what we should aspire for Turn towards high truth. Aspire to love and peace. If you want to get out of pain, if we are running after desires, if we are stuck in inertia, pain will come. We should aspire to come out of this ignorance. Aspire to love and peace. And then of course he says that uh, don't take the other route. The other route is the root of the titan. He wants to grab the whole world, make it its own. He is always after more and more acquisition. He says, if you take that route, you will suddenly be, instead of you know steady pace, suddenly you will fall from a precipice. Because titan's ways, he'll take you towards a precipice and then push you down. This is a story that the mother spoke of the gambler of Monte Carlo. It's a very interesting uh, 
you know instructive story so there was this gambler and uh, when he would gamble an entity a uh, vital entity what you know in shurbindo's parlance vital entities are beings of some lower worlds so they that entity would come and tell him put put your stakes there on that number and uh, he used to win it would make him win so he started believing in this entity blindly and every time when he has to put the stakes like shakuni you know shakuni was winning but not realizing that shakuni is winning was the path towards disaster had shakuni lost in that game of dice everybody would have survived so same way this gambler of monte carlo was winning and he kept winning and he would only wait for that voice to tell him where to put the stakes so then these beings eventually are leading us towards disintegration so after a while this uh, vital entity wanted to have little fun so he said uh, now put everything you have on this particular number deliberately so he put on that number and he lost he lost everything that he had won but they just enjoy at man's expense then this entity tells him now shoot yourself in the head and he ended up shooting himself you see the story of shakuni how instructive it is how success paves the way to failure shakuni must have celebrated the day pandavas had gone for 13 years oblivious of the war that is his he has sown he sowed the seed of wars on that fatal or fateful day when he won had he not won no issues pandavas would have never fought but destiny wanted to decimate them so what a path it took made him win so be very careful mother says success is a much greater uh, deceptive thing and is a great ordeal to bear because it's a great test it's easy to pass the test of failure but very difficult to pass the test of success it can get into the head so the same thing happened with shakuni and he thought oh we are victorious who can annihilate me all my plans are always successful anyways they have gone for 13 years in exile and that too with a condition that within one year if you detect them they have to go further for 13 years and he was sure you will find with all the government machinery at his disposal but then god had another plan so he says don't take that route the route that duryodhana took the route that shakuni took the route that kansa took if you take that route pain disaster and chaos will come ashupati random seems the way you know we cannot make sense of this world because uh, again it baffles our human notions of how god should be and how he should do for instance good people suffering it is something which baffles us so random seems the way that somebody who was deceiving suddenly was successful so we think that Ah, how can there be God? If there was God, He should have been immediately punished. But God doesn't work like that. O Ashupati, random seems the ways. 
along whose banks your footsteps stray or run in casual hours or moments of the gods yet your least stumblings are foreseen above we think we make too much out of man he did papa therefore he is suffering he did punya therefore he is rewarded <laughs> who is man puppet of the hours even his stumbles are not his own look at the stumble of yudhishthir a man most sattvic always truthful righteous what does he end up doing putting draupadi at stake draupadi was not his the kingdom was not his he should have thought as a sattvic man how can i put something which is not mine at stake the brothers were not his property but he does it and yet that stumble of yudhishthir was necessary for the eventual decimation of the kauravas so what appears to us as a stumble a fateful moment of the gods even that is foreseen so what a perfect plan it is that divine is carrying us through everything what appears to us good what appears to us as bad what appears to us as success what appears to us as failure through everything this wise guidance is carrying us how shall my voice convince the mind of earth narada is saying but how shall my voice convince the mind of earth heavens wiser love rejects the mortal's prayer unblinded by the breath of his desire unclouded by the mists of fear and hope it bends above the strife of love with death it keeps for her her privilege of pain that you know the divine consciousness how it works is giving us a secret in ilion it is described in a great uh, at great length when zeus who is the you know mahadev of uh, greek mythology he bends and sees troy that all these little babies they are happy mothers are happy you know life is full of these paradoxes you bring up a child with so much care and love thinking that he will give you happiness and he moves away you love someone with this hope that tomorrow you will get happiness but the person dies or even deceives and one has never imagined that these things will happen and life is full of these things so he says that divine consciousness does, does not act only as a giver of our desires god is much more concerned with our progress than with our instant happiness because through progress comes true happiness so many times he does something which is like a big shock to our desired self so unblinded by the breath of his desire we go and ask god give me this give me that god is not blinded by that very often we have this concept that if i pray god will definitely grant me so if he does not grant we think is better to go to another god this guru is not worth it because he does not fulfill my desires not realizing perhaps a guru who does not fulfill your desire is perhaps more worth it because he will not let us sink into ignorance sometimes he will sometimes he will not but we keep changing gurus keep changing our gods keep changing our 
you know like even converting why because somewhere else we are getting more money and more better things but that's not the real spiritual life divine does not act according to our desires unclouded by the mists of fear and hope when we go to god we have certain hopes and certain fears but divine does not act according to that he does not simply fulfill our hope and whatever we are afraid that won't happen it's not always like that sometimes we go and pray because we are afraid of something and that happens there are people with cancer or all kinds of diseases they pray and yet they die so divine consciousness does not act according to our vision and our understanding this is what shurabindo is repeatedly revealing to us he is revealing that there is a meaning in his actions and a purpose but that purpose is not to merely give us instant pleasure he is not a you know instant coffee or a mcdonald ka uh, god is mcdonald that we go give some money and he will give us a nice burger so he he works very differently it bends above the strife of love with death it keeps for her her privilege of pain <clears throat> and then he gives us the last secret a magician's formulas have made matters laws and while they last all things by them are bound even inwardly if we are free still so long as the laws of earth don't change actually the whole secret of uh, physical yoga yoga of transformation is given here that even you know we sometimes ask for impossible things that there are people who pray to god that you know i am having an illness cure me sometimes we get cured sometimes we don't get cured it's a fact why because the laws of earth have not changed and if they don't change now this does not mean that we accept this fate accompli shubindo says that one day they will change but till they are unchanged it's not always that you know uh, there will be a perfect response because matter is imperfect so he tells us he reveals to us and while the last all things by them are bound so we should actually work towards changing the laws of earth to be more and more aligned to the divine truth matter right now is not yet receptive and plastic to god's force beautifully narad bhai was telling that when you call that grace that force it heals it has a healing power even our pains can vanish vanish instantly <clears throat> now but this does not happen always why doesn't happen because there is needed also receptivity from the side of the body sometimes the body is very receptive especially in those who have done some physical culture and sometimes it is not so when it is not receptive it does not work immediately so we have to make this body constantly receptive and this increasing receptivity of the body through physical culture through an offering to the divine even by invoking the grace it will make the body receptive and then it will work to remove the disease but the spirit's consent is needed for each act and freedom walks in the same pace with law all here can change if the magician chooses there is no fixed law there is nothing like this 
is bound to happen, the spirit can completely change it. But, you know, it, there is a process to it. It's not like simply that suddenly it wills and things change. There is a whole process. So what is the process? Now Shirobindo is revealed to us the process. All here can change if the magician choose. If human will could be made one with God's. So it's not simply a wishful thinking. There is attunement of our will to the divine will. Which means we have to gradually step out of an excess of desire and go closer and closer to unite with the divine will. If human thought could echo the thoughts of God, man might be all-knowing and omnipotent. Now what is the process of doing this attunement? It is to make ourselves quiet and peaceful and still. If the mind is still, our thoughts can echo the thoughts of God. Right now they are full. So when God's voice enters, it is disturbed by the background noise, noise going on in the head. A man went to a master asking for knowledge. He said, I want knowledge. So this man was a very learned professor. So the master told him, okay, fine, but first have a cup of tea. So the disciple prepared tea and brought it and the master asked the disciple to pour tea. So the disciple started pouring tea and the disciple is very obedient. So he will not stop unless the master says stop. So the tea filled the cup and flew over and eventually flew over the tablecloth and eventually it touched the professor's, learned professor's dress. And then the professor remarks, but sir, the cup is full. The master says, just like you. So if you want knowledge, empty the cup. So as long as our mind is filled with all kinds of ideas, thoughts, opinions, views, gathered from tabloids, television, all kinds of things, the knowledge of God cannot find admittance because the mind is full of noise. It is very small, it is very hard, rigid. But if the mind becomes quiet, vast, supple, then our thoughts can echo with the thoughts of God. Similarly, our will doesn't get attuned to God's will because it's full of hopes and fears and wants and desires all the time. When we go to God, we hardly ask, let your will be done. We are always asking, let my will be done. That's why we become impotent and we become ignorant. Fate is truth working out in ignorance. We'll stop with this passage because, you know, I mean, one could just go on, but uh, with this few passages, inspiring passages, we'll stop another 10 minutes. Fate is truth working out in ignorance. O king, thy fate is a transaction done at every hour between nature and thy soul with God for its foreseeing arbiter between nature and, and thy soul. So you see what happens every time we meet with a difficult situation. Now, supposing in our heart and our thought, we say, I don't accept it. Now this refusal is a very important thing. But if we say, oh, we have no choice, let us accept it. 
then actually the balance of forces we have tilted against us we should always refuse something which we you know inside it's a transaction see how beautifully shrivinder is describing it's a transaction now in the transaction what all is on this side and what all is on the other side on one side is fate column of fate this is going to happen satyavan's death is going to happen an illness and all its consequences complications the doctors will say that you know is going to happen fate is a balance drawn in destiny's book i think this uh, business school all everyone will understand fate is a balance drawn in destiny's book man can accept his fate he can refuse even if the one maintains the unseen decree we have been told this that you know still things may happen the way they have been decreed still there is an advantage he writes thy refusal in thy credit page how beautiful this is he writes thy refusal in thy credit page out of our thoughts and feelings and will destiny is woven this is the secret of karma it's not that i did this and i it was papa and therefore i am being punished no i am afraid i am attracting the event which i am afraid why because within me i have given up they say that who loses who is lost inside so even till the last moment there is a very nice little story of this uh, king prithviraj chauhan i don't know whether you have heard the story mm-hmm. or not so you know his end towards the end there is a, a legend associated with him so 17 times he was conquered by this mughal ruler tamur lang and he repelled him but every time he would spare him because you know he would say okay okay i ask pardon and like a magnanimous king he pardoned him but finally the 18th time this mughal ruler conquered prithviraj chauhan and then he didn't spare him he said that he is going to i will execute him so prithviraj chauhan says okay fine you can execute me actually he takes away his eyes he gorges out his eyes and says i am going to execute him so prithviraj chauhan says okay i have only one last wish if you can allow me he says yes he says i want my royal poet to be by my side okay such a small thing so that he can tell me some nice poetry before i die now tamur lang he was really a very uh, obviously a very cruel king so he had said i will execute him in public uh, but before that i want to see i have heard that this man is a great archer so when he is blind can he really shoot at a target so look at the cruel cruelty of the king so prithvi singh chauhan says okay fine but i want my poet to be by my side so the poet is by his side and the poet knows what is to be done so before he has to shoot there will be a sound struck and he has to shoot based on sound isko shabd bedi wand you know vidya so he is sitting to shoot with the bow and arrow in his hand and before the thing starts the poet utters a couplet char bans 24 gaj angul ast praman tau par sultan hai mat chuko chahan 
So he gives him mathematically where actually the Sultan is seated. <laughs> and based on that coordinate, when the bell sounds and instead of shooting at the target, he suddenly shifts the bow and arrow and shoots at the Motlan. Bang on target. Now you see, in his heart, Prithviraj Chauhan did not give up. He said, till the last moment, maybe an opportunity will come to me. And that is the moral of the story, that we give up too easily. We give up in our hearts. Fear means we have given up. We should not give up. So, fate is, Shubhinda see, even if the one maintains the unseen decree, he writes thy refusal in the credit page. Who knows when the credit page will suddenly exceed the debit and the balance will tilt. For doom is not a close, a mystic seal, arisen from the tragic crash of life, arisen from the body's torture and death, the spirit rises mightier by defeat, its godlike wings grow wider with each fall, its splendid failures sum to victory. Story of Mahabharata, we were saying, look at how every story is so symbolic. Story of Shikhandi, this whole few lines are exactly like that. You know who was Shikhandi? Anyone knows Shikhandi's story? Mm-hmm. You know, there were three yeah, sisters Amba, Ambika, Ambalika. And Bhishma forcibly gets them because he wants a bride for the crown king. Vichitravirya. Vichitravirya is incapable of having a progeny. And he, nobody will marry this fellow who is good for nothing. So Bhishma goes because of his strength. He challenges, he says, better I want bride for my, you know, brother. And they are married. So out of them, Amba, she says, no. You have won us. You should marry us. Why should we marry this fellow? He says, no, no, I can't marry. He says, then you shouldn't have won us in the war. So while Ambika and Ambalika say they they accept their fate, Amba does not accept her fate. He, He says that I am going to finish you because, you know, if I am conquered, you should marry. Otherwise, you have to die at my hand. These only two fates. So, but Amba in that life cannot kill kill him. She has no way in a match for Bhishma. So she does tapasya to Shiva. Shiva appears and says, what do you want? He says, I want to kill Bhishma. In this life you cannot. Another life, fine. So she perishes in these flames of tapasya and she is reborn as Shikhandi. Shikhandi is half man, half woman. Shikhandi becomes the cause for Bhishma's fall. Arjuna shoots the arrows behind Shikhandi. And Bhishma knew that he is, you know, a woman, half woman. So you see, this in Indian thought, this impulse of really striving, fighting, not giving up. If we cannot do in this life, another life, another life. So rebirth is not about reward and punishment. It is about evolution. 
That's why they say till the last minute we should remember God. Even if he does not reveal the last minute, it is written in our credit page. We come back with that credit into our account. This fellow remembered him, sought him. And if this life we cannot find, we find another life. Rebirth is about evolution. At least if this thought can go into us before we leave this place, that rebirth is not about reward and punishment. It is only about evolutionary progression. Until the last minute we strive. Look at these lines. O man, the events that meet thee on thy road, though they smite thy body and soul with joy and grief, are not thy fate. They touch thee a while and pass. Very often we say fate. Oh, bahar ye ho gaya. Bahar wo ho gaya. Wo fate hai nahi. So fate kya hai? By definition, thy goal, the road thou choosest are thy fate. I want to go to Pondicherry. Now on the way, many things will happen. Things which are pleasant, things which are unpleasant. AC may stop working. Somebody, something gets stolen. Train gets late. You have to haggle at the bus stand. The taxi fellow doesn't turn up. There is storm and rain. That's not fate. What is fate? You chose to go to Pondicherry. Eventually you will reach there. That is fate. So fate is not about outer events. It is an inner goal that we chose. And if we have an inner goal, outer events, good and bad will conspire towards that. He says, Thy goal, the road thou choosest, are thy fate. And then this last times and love and death conspire towards one great end times unforeseen event God's secret plan look at this one line somebody was saying about every line of Savitri times unforeseen event God's secret plan this world was not built with random bricks of chance because the queen says that you know it looks everything is chance. Said no, there is a deep wisdom which works, but you cannot understand this wisdom by looking at it from the lens of hopes and desires and fears. No, this wisdom is working to carry us through the fastest and shortest means towards perfection. The mother used to say, "Do not ask for my blessings." <laughs> Something. I was remembering blessings. So I said, why? Mother says, because they are not meant to make your life easy, but to take you through the shortest path towards the goal. You want to reach the goal of perfection? I'll take you through the shortest goal. But the shortest road is not always the easiest road. This is the paradox. It says, the world was not built with random bricks of chance. A blind God is not destiny's architect. The original question of Queen is now being finally tackled. There is a meaning in each curve and line. A conscious power has drawn the plan of life. There is a meaning in each curve and line. It is an architecture high and grand. 
by many named and nameless missions built in which unseeing hands obey the unseen unseeing hands we are pushed by unseeing hands towards events and circumstances sometimes beyond our control and we wonder why this happened why that happened but even these hands are tools of the unseen with a capital u and he is picking out this brick from here putting another there demolishing a building and creating another porch we don't understand the plan so let me end with the story of hayat regency <laughs> you were telling me and i was remembering so i don't know um, you people have just recently seen no mm. you have not seen earlier mm. you should if you have photographs you should show them what it was and what it has changed into now to change it into what it is today many they would have been i think weeks and months when you know uh, everything would have started looking topsy turvy people must be wondering what's happening you know because it's like you have to rebuild a place so suddenly you have to have builders you have to have people going there and somebody is demolishing something nice place to sit it is being demolished and they would be wondering why this man is simply after demolishing but they don't know what is going on in the mind of <laughs> dj and dim and you and everybody who has planned what's going on you have a master plan inside a story <laughs> so if they would have asked him what are you doing this kind of a you know it was a nice place cozy place I mean, I didn't find anything wrong with it. Wait, you would simply smile and say, you know, something else is coming. What something else? This was nice. We could come and sit and no, no, wait, let it come. And then when it comes, really, it's amazing. Yesterday, so vibrant, so full of life. I mean, I had never conceptualized that this place can change into this. Honestly, it was like a shocker. I mean, that was fine. What was wrong with it? but now looking at it one understands what the story was and how it unfolds so with the drama of a life when certain people dear to us are taken away they are being put somewhere else and some other people are brought into our life suddenly we may think it is accidental there is no accident there is a meaning in each curve and line everything is being built by a master architecture by a master plan many masons are busy shaping our life but shaping towards a greatness a glory a light which we are yet to glimpse i think we'll stop with this so any questions we can have like in uh, early days we were taught in science and this is part of our real life as a not just human but animals and survival of fittest and struggle for existence i guess those are the two things when i was small that came into my life that those are very two important things for me to uh, succeed and grow and sometimes when you are in that mode of survival of fittest and struggle for existence basically you lose the uh part of yourself 
because you have to compete, you have to do everything, anything. The happiness mode, which is your internal thing, don't transpire out. So you are always on like a soldier on alert. Yeah. You know. So how we can kind of take a step back or is it something that critical we need to have in ourselves? I think it's good to stretch out from from practical point of view I'm saying. It's good to balance this by snatching out moments when we can, you know, dwell upon an inner state of peace and calm. Because naturally, whether whether we struggle for survival or not, life uh, has picked up a very fast pace. And of course, behind this pace, there is a purpose. It's an evolutionary acceleration. So it can be very frightening, very disorienting. And, uh, you know, people want to catch up in that race. And sometimes they stumble, fall, all kinds of things happen. So while one part of a being is caught up in that, and not everybody is, uh, you know, ready to lead a truly yogic life but this we can do that in the midst of all this we should to start with take out moments and always we can find such moments when we can try to get in touch with something deep inside us you know what in the morning we were listening to what uh, Narad you know remembered from Savitri in moments when the inner lamps are lit and life cherished guests are left outside so while these cherished guests are there throughout the day, but we should take a time out from them and tell that, look, I mean, please, you be in the ante hall. Let me go for some time. I need to be with myself. And if we can do that, slowly and slowly our life, that peace, that calm, will begin to slowly spread into our outer life. First, there will be a division between what life uh, we have been leading till now um, and maybe the circumstances we are still caught up in that and in inner life but as we begin to build this inner life through moments when we take take time out and take a time in if I may put it like that then slowly the inner life begins to get stronger and begins to become more and more overpowering and overarching over the outer life and then it is no more the outer which begins to determine our inner state, but inner state which begins to determine the outer. But we must feed the inner life. The problem that happens is that nothing wrong with ambition and all that in a normal life, in, you know, in our ordinary circumstances. But when that becomes exclusively important and we uh, you know, do not give time for anything else, then there is a problem because it's a very lopsided development. So that's why in ancient times, you know, monasteries were created that you know people can withdraw for some time into places where they can you know uh, allow themselves to look within and that's why I guess you know things like uh, integral yoga retreat this is the purpose so that for some time we can really try to find this inner thing and every day we should feed this flame so that this also grows initially this will be like a baby because we have not given it the real feed. Our souls, uh, we hardly give nourishment to our soul. We give nourishment to the body and the mind. So we should do that. And then a balance will come. And change everything. But externally, if we try to control and balance the outer life forcibly, I shouldn't be ambitious, I shouldn't have desire, it doesn't work out. 
because we then fall either into inertia complacency which is also not good as you are saying you know that struggle for survival and uh, then one begins to blame god etc so while in the midst of all this let's step back take time out every day and go inside it will be difficult initially because we are caught up in a certain state but with practice it will come minimum we can do is read such books which uplift us go to a place where there is a beautiful environment form satsang collective reading this is the object now after a while this will be very strong then even in the midst of battlefield even in the midst of the busy pace of life we will experience that silence and not only we will experience the silence next level this silence can get communicated to everything that is outside but that comes later Yes. So just adding to this question only with the amount of competition and all that, it what all you said might be like the withdrawal or the time in might be true for a generation above us. Probably they'll understand it better, and maybe a quieter place and all that. But what about people of our age, like the four of us? Probably a peaceful place and all that. I don't know how much will it work for people like us. But where there is a will, there is a way. So, See, no, I just want to understand what the meaning of withdrawal or time is okay. for us should okay. be. So, what should be done at your, you know, with your generation? In fact, there is a line which I am forgetting. Time to stand and stare. It's, I think, uh, Keats or anyway Shelley. Uh, anyways, the point is that uh, you know, if you really see how we spend our time at 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 your age, uh, it's not that all the time we are studying and. preparing for competition let's face the fact that a lot of time and energy we throw away which is natural not that it's something bad i'm not saying it's bad or good it's natural at your age we would do all of us go through the same phase but also if we can along with that they would be inevitably uh, what is called as gap marna and you know but time to time we should try to at least 5 minutes 10 minutes doesn't matter how much we should try to maybe raise some questions which are deeper to our life for instance why there is death why love changes into hatred or more positively can this life become better how can i add quality and value to my life we can always pick up a book while traveling and read it while traveling which you know uh, could give us a greater insight a deeper insight into the mystery of life and yes 5 minutes 10 minutes we can always take out i mean it's a question of will by it's not that we have to go to a holy place if we have a place nearby very good like you know in the morning i was sharing this with asmuk bhai and uh, i'm sure it will come soon in surat about banaras university you know it is a, uh, it's one of the best campuses ever uh, in india and perhaps in asia it's a very beautiful campus now one of the things in that campus is there's a huge shiva temple i have very fond memories of that because i did my intermediate from there before getting selected into fmc pune and what we used to do is uh, we also enjoyed life did many things and you know uh, have fun go see movie uh, have uh, go on outing but time to time we also went to that shiva temple sat alone and just like that and absorb those moments of silence now frankly i have forgotten a lot of fun that we did in uh, during my stay and i remember only two things or rather three things significant about my whole stay in bhu 
the three things were uh, the ganges when you know a uh, few times when i have gone early morning to just experience the dawn the second is shiva temple very strong memory and the third is playing tennis these are the three things i really remember all other things i mean seeing movie going out fun they have all dropped away so little bit time everywhere you know we can get same with fmc there used to be a nice little temple in that uh, place and you know some of our friends would just go sometimes just sit there so there are spaces which we can find but even if there is no space nature nature is there in which we can sit we can always find a little place and sit if nothing else is there in our own room we can make a little you know uh, corner where sometime we should just sit quietly and contemplate that what what my life what life really is i mean during my studies as a medical graduate i am giving this example so that you know to connect i have watched many movies to tell you frankly in one week five movies so it's not that you know uh, you have to be dead serious at 17 18 youngsters puna was known for excellent movies classic movies used to come bunking classes and watching movie but at the same time this deeper connection so very often uh, myself and my friend we would raise questions that what's the point in all this why am i becoming a doctor when i join military how does it add to my real life so we also used to spend time asking these questions and as i said eventually that inner thread becomes stronger and stronger and the other things fall off so we have to nourish this part i i mean the problem today is not that the problem today is is too much of you know possibilities of distraction fortunately that didn't exist so you know there was one television in that only one show used to come krishi darshan and sometimes an odd movie so there was very little distraction today we have too much possibility of distraction if i was uh, you know in your age at this point of time it would be very difficult to do that you know the kind of because there were no distractions we could spend time to enrich this um, this thing but i guess every generation is uh, capable to meet the challenges of that generation i'm sure your generation is much more capable than ours and those who will come after you will be even better so this is how look at it that you have challenges which are unique more distractions but i'm sure you are you have more capacity to meet that challenge how you will meet it well will it if you have a will you will find the way Might say just a few words about satsang. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, satsang. So one of the ways, you know, that's why uh, satsang. That means you know, company of truth. Literally, it means company of truth. Because we are all the time in the company of all that is false, all that is only strengthens our ignorance. So if we can get together. meet together and maybe read something beautiful together it is a very beautiful way to strengthen our aspiration in urissa you it, it's unimaginable young medical students engineering student management students they all have this collective study they meet together and once in a week they have fixed a time some of them even twice thrice a week four times a week and they read something beautiful together so that can always be done it doesn't matter how many will join 3 4 5 whoever has the aspiration and they sit together and read 
it's a beautiful way to really grow together and grow within or attending those congregations where you know these thoughts these beautiful atmosphere is created when you mentioned that you know we should try and find a way to have those even if it's 5 minutes 10 minutes a day to silence yourself um so when you sit down and that's what you're doing um, is there anything you need to focus on or what do you do when you're just sitting there trying that's to be silent? very good question on our highest mm-hmm. aspiration what do we conceive as the highest and we call that into our life that highest may be god divine love with a capital l truth strength beauty peace or all of these things together and something more perfection we should call that and uh, with regard to 5 minutes 10 minutes i am reminded of you know and narad bhai spoke of satsang i am reminded of a nice little couplet in tulsidas ramcharitmanas and it says uh, i'll say in hindi then english ek ghadi ya do ghadi aadho mein puni aadh tulsi sangati sadhu ki hare koti aparadh ek ghadi one moment ya do ghadi one or two moments minutes whatever way you want to put it aadho mein puni aadh why one or two half or even quarter tulsi sangati sadhu ki satsang the power of satsang the company of those who are truly uplifted hare koti aparadh many many tendencies in our nature which are full of evil propensities dark propensities they are absorbed because of the power of the truth that awakens so even if we get one moment we should try to spend it we don't know what's going to happen during that moment i mean let's create the credit account with god to start with like this is now a credit account that was one reason why i was waiting that all of you come i know that sometimes you know these afternoon too many talks since morning it may be very boring but because you know we are to read savitri i thought it'll be a good idea that it goes into your credit account which you may not realize now see now it may be oh my god what is this kya hum log america ghumne aaye ya ye sunne ke liye aaye i mean i i would feel like that maybe i i know you are very decent bachas and would say nahi 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 sare sare but i am just telling you if i am in your place sometimes one may feel ki kya yaar ye subah se shaam tak lecture thoda you know i want to have fun and because you know you very energetic vital anybody it's natural i mean nothing wrong with it it's natural so but now what happens is that wittingly and wittingly this is gone into your credit account so you may not understand its value now but many years down the line this credit will grow and when this credit grows then you will one day turn back and say oh my god that was a moment of my life you'll reconnect after 20 years all of us have gone through it i have gone through it he has gone through it and uh, fill that credit page add on to that credit usko badhne do wo compound interest ke sath aayega and presently it works as a refuel more or less you know it's refueling to your mind yeah. than anything else no those who are Instead already attuned 
those who are already attuned it is a refueling it's like a refresher recharging but there are some for whom you know it's something very new like you know they are very young so they may have been exposed may not have been exposed suddenly you know savitri i mean i actually hesitate sometimes because very it's too vast it's a very heavy subject and normally you know one it's difficult to find interest it's much more easier in a question answer format but it's very difficult you know you one goes off to sleep doesn't matter sleep but sleep in the atmosphere of savitri when mother used to give meditation and these children would be there and uh, they would go off to sleep naturally you know they then people asked mother that should we bring them she said yes let them sleep they would receive something mm-hmm. by the very fact that you are sleeping while savitri is being read and you know her presence is being invoked you receive it so at least let this go into the credit page which we are whole part empty hai. you know it's no point having outer bank is full but inner bank is empty both should be full so um is it also true when when you have these sort of uh environments and meetings and you do fall asleep it's kind of another type of meditation yes because you know passively also we absorb so many things i was telling hasmuk bhai in the morning this not always you know maybe after few hours if somebody asked you what did you hear understand you may say i don't know i have forgotten everything but no have you known that how advertisement works subconscious very true have you noticed that when you enter a shop which side do you turn mostly you know there are studies like that sure. and shops make it in this way that the costlier goods are immediately turning to the right they make it like that because subconscious mind the power and you will end up picking up precisely that thing which is advertised even though you care a damn about it mm-hmm. so the subconscious mind which is far more powerful in human beings even if you are asleep you are absorbing those vibrations so it doesn't matter mm-hmm. bathe in that it's an opportunity because for the other things you always have a lot of opportunity i mean this world is full of things to satiate our desires full of things but very little very few places and opportunities to satisfy our soul's needs and after a point you know there is a line there are four five lines in one of shirmindo's poem for mind and life and their glory and debate there is a need within the soul of man the splendors of the surface never sate for mind and life and their glory and debate are the slow prelude to a vaster theme a preface to the epic supreme right now we are only writing the preface so at this there is so much if you walk down whether greenville new york city you know this is what uh, i keep telling people you know sometimes we don't understand the value of india you know many youngsters because they you know naturally there is a lot of glitter and glamour said yes there is so much comfort so much to satisfy the material needs in you know best anywhere even modern cities which are coming up in india but very few places to fulfill your soul's need but india has catered to that kona mein nukkad mein mohalla mein you will find a place where some deva or something is there yes. some katha is going on sometimes overfull 
to the you know exclusion of this which was not right so that's why the balance has to readjust so you have so many places where you dish out money and you have this ice cream that were it yesterday in new jersey i saw a store you know where 100 types of ice cream were kept and all kinds of things you can imagine and it was just a grocery part you know what would be you know when so it's good to have that but you know then one begins to wonder is there a place where um, a place where all possible you know scriptures and things which people have taught beautiful things those places also should be as common and as readily available so that young person could walk into that store and casually say okay let me look around and see is there something to answer my questions also so that's why these things uh, are so important even subconsciously you absorb even if you sleep it is hell as uh, in the morning narad bhai was reading or rather remembering there are parts in us we still grow towards light even in our unconsciousness and you know this line of shurbindo from savitri uh, um, you know uh, the way i take it like a simile that when you are traveling in a train and you sleep off at night or in a flight you sleep off at night still you are going forward <laughs> so <laughs> it's not that because you have stopped the world has stopped progressing you may be asleep in your outer consciousness doesn't matter there is something within us which is still listening and growing actually in the sleep your mind is inactive the actually in a way yes 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 it's in the message goes straight straight because there is no resistance very often when we are awake while we are listening may have noticed that sometimes all our thoughts are like a shield what this nonsense what is this going on you know because it's it's like a shield which is preventing the light to come already even before it has started the shield has started kya boring kya fir se you know because that shield doesn't want the light so after a while what happens you keep struggling you fall asleep hey is it just so jao that's a good state because then <laughs> then the shield is not active and the light goes direct so if uh, nothing else <laughs> then we'll stop any other questions yeah is here Feel free to ask any question. Yeah, any time. Oh, privately as well. Yeah, you want. You want some?